The following episode of Corrupted Nerds contains strong language. It was recorded in Sydney, Australia, on Wednesday, the 2nd of December 2015. Corrupted nerds ensconced in the twilight of their bedroom, whether it be in Paris, Singapore, Lagos, Bucharest, or indeed even Sydney. And from Sydney, welcome to Corrupted Nerds Conversations, episode 15. This is a surprise experimental episode. Joining me is Leslie Nasser, co-founder of Wrangling Cats, freelance writer and builder of Twitter things since 2007. Corrupted Nerds, a podcast about information, power, security and all the cybers in a global internet revolution that's changing everything. Hello there, I'm Still Gerian, and as I said a couple of episodes back, I'm experimenting a bit with the format of this podcast. A sudden moment of schedule clarity found me having lunch with Leslie Nasser. As I say, he's co-founder of Wrangling Cats and a freelance writer. He's done Twitter and other things online for Razorfish, the Victoria Police, Telstra, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and indeed we're recording this podcast in the salubrious cafe of ABC Ultimo in Sydney. Leslie, what else should I mention? And hello. Hello. Um, I'm, you should mention that I'm not ashamed to not know what salubrious means. Oh, it, it, it means of quality and pleasant and, yes, all of those things. Yeah, you're using that word wrong. Yeah, uh... Look, these these chairs at the ABC are relatively new. Oh, they are lovely and green and stripedy. Um, yeah. So, what all else am I doing? Yes, n- not a lot that we can that we can really make reference to. There's so many secret squirrel uh, campaigns going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as I say, do the Department of Australia Twitter account and occasional crikey funny. Excellent. Well, in a moment, we'll each be choosing three interesting news stories and talking about them. But first. Here's a message from our sponsor. If you were a sponsor of Corrupted Nerds, your 30-second message would go here. I've got to be careful here because this is going to drift over in style towards the uh, 9pm edict kind of presentation, which I'm not quite sure I want to do at this stage. Mm, but fix it in post. Always. Now, we have chosen three stories each to talk about. Leslie, your first story is... VTech. VTech. What's that about? So VTech uh, found themselves in uh, the company of, uh, well, a great many Fortune 500 companies now in getting uh, owned, uh, pwned, or otherwise exploited and violated. Um, except this time, what makes a difference is that uh, is that children involved, a great many children. So what, I think they're saying now 6.4 million accounts have been uh, compromised from VTEC's uh, HQ in um, Hong Kong. Now, these uh, aren't all children in those accounts, though. I mean, we have parents, obviously, setting up these these toys, these educational toys they're supposed to be, aren't they? They're, well, they're called electronic learning aids. All right. And the reason I know that is because I used to work for VTEC. So I worked ah. for VTEC in the 90s. I, um, moving, I moved out of home in Adelaide to work in Hong Kong for VTEC, making... Uh, PC versions of their uh, titles. Can I just say that electronic learning aid sounds like something you'd deploy at Abu Ghraib? Yeah, or it sounds like a really bad computer virus. Mm. Yeah. But it's not. No, We're talking no. the InnoTab tablets, the InnoTV gaming device. Yeah, they, they've got... Um, yeah, because they've been doing these for, what, 30, 40 years. They've been mm. building, building these devices. And uh, as with everything else, the moment... Uh, 
cheap wireless came along and they started connecting them all to the internet. But uh, being good at making little electronic uh, toys is not necessarily the same as being good at internets. Well, no, and this is the same problem we've seen in, in so many other circumstances where a company that's great at what it does, be they making cars or making toasters or anything else, is suddenly out of its depth when it has to defend a device on the internet. The question I have, therefore, for you is what makes this so different? So what makes this different is, but is that not only did they did they get um, you know penetrated using a SQL injection attack, which no one should ever be getting, or certainly no company as large as VTech should be losing that amount of data to a SQL injection. Now this is where you put essentially SQL commands, that is database programming commands, into the fields in a form, and so instead of saying your address is 1 Smith Street, you say your address is 1 Smith Street, semicolon, drop tables, erase everything, That's right. so, murder children. Yeah, so my yeah. address is 1 Smith Street, give me all your stuff. Mm. And it just listens to the give me all your stuff part and obediently uh, gives you everything. This is pretty basic programming fuck-upage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. Like there's, um, there's, there's nothing more trivial, really, than, than defending against... SQL injection. It's been happening for long enough and enough people have been uh, destroyed by them and enough data has been stolen that, that it's, it's, it's 101, right? They should, have, they should have been defending against this from, from the get-go. But what's worse is not, not only did they leave this you know, door wide open for, for someone to just come in and take all the data, but the data that they took was in really no significant way protected. You know, it wasn't really encrypted in the in the database. The passwords are all MD5 hashes. Uh, it's just just an appalling fuck up all round. Now that's interesting because we've seen a statement come out on the morning of uh, the second of December, where VTEC is claiming that the images were encrypted, which you know is is remarkable given the photos that we've seen on motherboard and other places, which seem to show, you know unencrypted photos. Mm. But then again, VTEC also said that um, they'd performed a thorough audit to make sure that this would never happen again. But they've done that thorough audit in less than two weeks since they got penetrated. Yeah, that's not possible. No. Well, not less than two weeks since they were penetrated, less than four days since they were informed of the fact by motherboard's journalist. It's it's awfully sus. It's awfully sus. And from from everything I know about, you know, from everything I saw at, at VTech, um, which is admittedly a while ago now. It, admittedly a while ago, but um, I'm not convinced that things have changed significantly. I think there are certain cultural things that will persist. Okay, look, I've spoken about the VTech hack a couple of times on radio stations uh, around Australia. Well, two, two, two radio stations is around Australia. That's I a think. couple. That's a couple. Um, and the question I'm all, I'm always asked is, what should parents do? And my answer has generally been, well, you can't do anything now except change passwords everywhere and, and hope. Yeah, ch- change passwords everywhere and hope. And, you know, if, God forbid, this stuff really did get into the hands of, of really bad people, I guess keep an eye on, on your children's interactions online, right? But that should be something that doesn't take a VTech hack to, to drill into people. You need to, if you've got young children, you need to be watching them online. That's 
the long and the short of it. It doesn't matter how many times or how many uh, data breaches there are. Well, that's the VTech hack, and that's uh, Leslie's first choice. My first choice um, was Corey Bernardi, Senator Corey Bernardi, and I, I understand we've had a bit of a collision here, but I will... You were going to pick this too. I was going to pick Corey, Corey Bernardi as well. Okay. Look, what has happened is Corey Bernardi, who is a backbench uh, Liberal Party uh, senator here in Australia, has only one tweet showing on his Twitter account at the moment, which reads, here's a tweet just to make sure you can't say I deleted them all. Uh, of course, he has deleted them all. Yeah, and I'm not sure that he's... He's just not very bright, really, is he? Because you, know, you can't say... You know, you can't eat a whole cake and then say you didn't eat the whole cake because you bought a new one. Right? And then you like went to cupcake, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, uh, it's, that's not how it works, but, yeah. This has obviously created a minor little flutter on Twitter uh, when it happened. I, I don't think it's been picked up because there's actually some serious news stories happening this week, so uh, it, it hasn't become a news story. But it's the sort of thing which would, in a slow news week, why do we care about this? Uh, you know, because he, he his Twitter account while it was there was a source of uh, humour and it was a source of uh, content for slow news days, right? Like if you're a if you're a social media journalist and you're having a an off morning, chances are you go to Corey Bernardi's Twitter account and find something stupid for for you to pick up on and run. Uh, I don't think anyone really cares. It's you know, people while while that Twitter accounts are there, people will still you know tag him in posts, and they'll still you know make their uh, their feelings heard. I mean, for me, and the reason I nominated this as a thing to talk about in this podcast was simply that I have questions about the character of a person who won't stand behind their public statements that if you've said something, then you stay with it. You don't, you don't consign your tweets to the memory hole. Now, I know you have feels about this, I Leslie. I do have feels about And it. we'll get to that. But in the case of Senator Bernardi, he is a senator. His, his job is to, well, to, to live a very public life. And despite what I suspect you're about to say, I think... For an elected politician, consigning your statements to the memory hole, which which doesn't really work anyway, is is not a good sign. Perhaps I'll put it that way. But but you differ on a personal level. Oh for this. I, no, fuck that guy, right? Like it's um. I think that uh, I think when you're when you're when you're an elected official, and there are certainly um, requirements around maintaining your email trail, for instance, you can't be you can't be a senator and just be deleting emails whenever you want with no no uh, no storage or archival so that at some point in the future it can be it can be looked at I think that when when there's requirements requirements around how uh, communications are stored you need to you need to abide by those uh, he's not a regular citizen because he's, he's if it, if it was a if it was a regular Twitter account you know he wouldn't have that verified badge and he wouldn't be uh, trading off of the fact that he's a senator. Well, mm, he, mm. he is trading off the fact that he's a senator, so he needs to he needs to follow the the, the regulations around that. Um, as you say, I, I delete my tweets super regularly. I, I delete all of my tweets probably at least once a month. Um, but that's that's for my own neuroses, right? I can't stand to have digital clutter. 
Okay, yeah, you're, you're the kind of person who gets upset if someone's icons on their iPhone are not arranged by category or that sort of thing, aren't I you? I make no apologies for, for that because that's just bad housekeeping. I will not let you look at my phone. You're shameful. I, I am a shameful human being. Your second choice, Leslie... I was forgot cast. Oh yes, it was cast. cast. It was cast. It was it was this amazing new? Um, well, I say amazing new. It's just it's it's a very beautiful um, web based podcasting platform. So yeah, this is a tricart.st, which I hate these kind of URLs. But t r y c a dot st. There'll be links to all this stuff on the podcast webpage. So cast is a new podcast production platform now i don't this this is brand new so we haven't had a chance to play with this yet yeah so i, I had a quick quick run ah. through it, run through it earlier and it's there's actually been there's been a couple of them come out recently and what they all are is you know we, we talk them talk about them as being um web-based but they're really more chrome-based because they're running on top of the WebRTC. Uh, protocol, which really only Chrome supports. Well, Firefox supports it to a certain extent as well, uh, but certainly Safari doesn't support it, and your your iPhone doesn't support it. But what it means is that you can record audio directly from the browser without needing to install Flash or install any plugins. You can just talk to each other via your web browsers, which is which is great. And so what Cast does is it sits in the middle and it takes everyone's conversations, it stores them in the cloud, you know, for want of a better word. And then it allows you as the podcast producer to, to edit them later into your final product. Now, I had used uh, experimentally for my podcast, The 9pm Edict, a product called Spreaker, which is uh, similar in concept in that there is a browser-based, but they also have apps that allow you to suddenly go click, yes, I am now broadcasting, that the kind of stings and music grabs and so on are up in the cloud, so all you're streaming up is your voice, or you can patch a mixer in and do the whole thing and just send them the finished mix. This seems to go beyond that in that you've also got the post-production and editing and mixing up in the cloud as well. That's right. So you can. Uh, so not only is the audio that's of your, your guests being, being recorded and stored in the cloud, but you can upload your, your stings and your patches and then you've got an editing interface where you can cut it all together um, afterwards and all of it is uh, is web-based. Now, I will say uh, Cast is something that I will have a look at. I'll certainly do some experimenting over the Australian summer, which starts, well, yesterday, actually. Uh, yep. <laughs> the holiday season is coming up. We're going to see a lot more of this sort of thing, I think. I know that, for example, Livestream.com is essentially live video switching in the cloud where uh, you can have uh, an electronic news gathering, an ENG cameraman out in the field with a dual 4G little device on top of his or her camera streaming back news footage. You can have someone else on an iPhone and the producer is sitting in some third location at their laptop just switching between those sources and pre-recorded sources and putting supers up and titles and all of that. I have used as an example something which now seems to be very possible. I imagine that for a family 
sports day, well not sports day, suburban sports thing, the under-15s the under hockey at a local suburban hockey club. You'd have a couple of drones up with cameras, you'd have a couple more cameras on the sidelines. Those cameras now, of course, can be phones, although you, for sport you want telephotos, so you might have a couple of nice little camcorders, $300 devices. Um, and then someone just with a microphone at the side calling the match as a commentator and the whole thing is mixed in the cloud uh, vision switched in the cloud and Auntie Jemima in London can watch the whole thing go down and who needs professional sports when you've actually got your own family and friends producing their own sports cast this is pretty much a thing that's possible now yeah it's a, it's a thing that's possible I mean it's, and it's been possible to, to a certain extent for a while you know you can there was that um there was that great uh, iPhone commercial was it last year or the year before where it's got the kid who's um, who looks like he's disengaged all all Christmas uh, holiday, but he's actually shooting footage and editing it all on his phone and then sharing mm, it with the mm. rest of the family. And there's tears and the music swells and everyone runs out and buys an iPhone. Um, so that it's it's been possible on our personal devices, but um, you know as soon as as soon as uh, Ubiquitous uh, Wi-Fi happens, and you've got uh, you know cheap cloud storage, and you've got these decent decent browser-based tools. Uh, suddenly, anyone anywhere can can cut together quite an interesting uh, package. Or I, let me correct myself: they can cut together a package. It's not necessarily <laughs> going to be interesting. Yes, interesting comes down to the skill of the producer. And that's right. That's right. And and most people are shit at that stuff. That's why we have professionals. Yeah. Remember when the desktop publishing revolution was going to turn everyone into a magazine editor? That was. That's why everything is word art now. Yes. Well, I was, uh, for my second thing, going to choose the VTech hack. We've already spoken about that. So I've pulled in, uh, pulled ahead what was going to be my third one. Uh, a lovely little story at Mashable. More parents are naming their kids after Instagram filters. We've actually seen people calling their children things like Valencia and, and Willow. Well, Willow's been a thing for a while anyway because of that television program. But people naming their kids after Instagram filters. And another one that, that, that is popular at the moment too, uh, are, are people called Venus, which is up 88% since, uh, since 2014, and Jupiter, which is up 50%, and Stella, it's only up uh, 11 spots on the chart because, according to this article, uh, you know, all of the, the media that the space program has been getting in the International Space Station means yeah, kids are being named after that. Would you, Leslie, name your child after an Instagram filter? No, no. But each I've got three girls and they all have unique middle names, but none of them is an Instagram filter. Are you prepared to share that or is that So we've got, uh, well, the first eldest middle name is Danger, obviously. Ah, Danger. Uh, You you are now about the third parent I know who's given their child Danger is my middle name. Yeah, but I'll be the first one of those parents who would have named my child Danger. We will uh, do some calculations later. Yep. This is not a new thing. We have always had uh, people name their kids for fashionable things or, or... uh, whatever was the objects of desire at the time. Uh, and uh, I remember when I was looking at naming practices in the, uh, the English language, there's a, a wonderful book on the origins of uh, given names in English. It's by someone called Withicombe, and I forget the, the title of the book. But if you look up Tabitha, it will tell you that the origins of the name Tabitha 
are the 1960s television program Bewitched. Oh, the that's name, fantastic. The name did not exist. That's awesome. Before that's awesome. that. I, I, honestly, if I, if, I, if I had a kid now, I would definitely call them Star Wars. Wow. I, I, that's, that's, that's blown me away. Um, I know, it's I, impressive, I, isn't I, it? Yeah, I know. I don't know whether you're a good parent or, or a bad. <laughs> I'm now, a terrible parent. Leslie, your third and final selection was going to be Corey Bernardi, but now Nokia's bet around Hollywood embracing virtual reality. Yeah, so there was this story yesterday where um, it was all about uh, Nokia placing this big bet. That oh, I, I said Nokia. I meant to say it's, Nokia. It's Nokia. It's Microsoft now, anyway. It's Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, so, so Nokia's uh, create or Nokia. Fuck. It's whoever they are, right? Yeah. Um, that they've created a what they call a professional grade um, VR camera, which means that it's a it's a ball with a little stick at the back that you can see in every direction. Right? It's got multiple cameras and they each have a really wide angle. So each camera is a is I think a, a 2K camera. So the idea there is, and this thing will sell for tens of thousands of dollars. And they're, the whole bet they're making is that Hollywood's going to embrace uh, virtual reality and that we're going to see blockbusters made for B- VR. Well, I, I don't know what to think about this because at, at one level I look at what happened with 3D movies which became like a gimmick, really, a, a nausea-inducing gimmick or so I'm told. I, I have not been to a cinema and seen a 3D movie because it is just not an appealing thing for me I'm, I'm, because I know that as soon as the movie has 3D that everything will whiz and spin and, and we'll forget to have little things called plot and character. You know, that's, I think that's, ha- that's how, certainly how it was initially. Mm. You know, it's, it's like when, um, when, uh, when computer graphics really sort of started to take off with film, right? Everyone had to have CGI in their scenes. And with television graphics, um, as soon as they could make a little rectangle picture-in-picture picture spin and tumble out of screen, then every goddamn thing oh, yeah. from, a, from someone winning a, 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 a... like taking a ball out in cricket or baseball or scoring a goal in football or, or running the next news story or here's the temperature for Perth, everything had to spin and tumble out of screen. Yeah, and, and I think that, that that's always going to happen with, with something that new, that, with something new. While we try to sort of find our feet with that new technology, people are going to abuse the hell out of it. Now, with, with CGI in film and with, you know, meaningless graphic effects on TV, that's not changed. People are still abusing the hell out of it. Mm. But every now and then... And, you know, the, the first time that I saw a film where I thought, you know, this has massive scale CGI in it, and I, at the end of the film I couldn't think of where I, where I would have been able to peg it, right? And, and this is at a time when I'm working in game development, right? So I'm, I'm very good at identifying things that, mm. are, that are artificial. You're hyper-aware of the artefacts. Yep, of... I couldn't, couldn't pick any of it. I didn't even think about okay. it. And that was, that was um, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, Strange Days, the James Cameron film. And, and looking at it, because uh, that came out in, what, 97, 98, looking at it now, you still couldn't pick out where the CGI is. And, in fact, there's, there's these massive scenes with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, and it's clearly composited, but in a, in a seamless way. I think with VR, it's, I don't think we're going to have that. You know? and, 
it's a long way to long way to get to it but you know with each of these technologies we see it sort of get adopted and everyone's very excited about it um I don't think we're going to see that with VR. If Nokia's making a bet on VR being embraced by Hollywood, they're, I think they're going to lose it. Isn't the point of filmmaking for the director to choose the view and I'm living in their vision? Well, yeah, and, and it should be. And, and when you, if you just look at, look at a movie set, a movie set has not really changed that much in 100 years, mm. right? You've got the camera pointing one way and that's where all the set dressing and where the actors are and behind the camera... It's plywood is, and tape and junk. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's just it's chaos. The idea that you're going to make films that are, that are 360 degrees uh, means completely changing the way that you, that you shoot films, that you crew films, that you... Do, all of your production needs to change. Now, that, Hollywood's that, not good at change like it's, that. It's not great at it, right? And um, and that's not to say it won't pick up in other areas. I could see it being popular with advertising, but I think we'll, what we'll see is rather than it being live action VR, I think it'll 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 have to be computer generated VR. So maybe we see VR films that are you know for the new Pixar flick. I doubt it though. Well, for my final choice. Uh... I, I, I had to bump this one in because, of course, Leslie and I managed to overlap so much in our choice of topics to talk about, which either says something wonderful about our unity of vision or something less than wonderful about our, our mental state. Uh, but I wanted to talk about Donald Trump because, in, in, in a sense, it's unavoidable. But there were two pieces uh, that, that came out midweek. One was headlined... At Vox, the real reason the media is rising up against Donald Trump, and the other one was at New Republic, with the even more subtle headline: "Donald Trump is not a liar; he's something worse, a bullshit artist." And the two articles covered similar territory, essentially to say that yes, we understand that politicians tell things which aren't entirely true, but there has been a rule to the game or rules plural to the game and Trump is simply ignoring those rules. It's a, sure you can make up facts a bit about policy and you say oh yeah my new oil policy will cut fuel costs to everyone by 7% or what they might be and everyone goes oh yeah yeah whatever you know we'll see how that goes but you don't straight up lie about something in your own personal past that that gets you caught up and you certainly don't say as Trump said that on 9-11 he saw Muslims cheering for the fall of the Twin Towers and that he'd seen a video of this happening but like there is no such thing he cannot possibly have seen such a video because the event never happened and when he's called out on it he just ignores the fact and keeps going I find this fascinating I have said on the 9pm Edict podcast, President Trump. Get used to saying it, people. President Trump. What's your reaction to this, Leslie? Oh, look, I, there's, there's no way he's going to be president, right? Like, there's oh. just no way. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the, the, the problem the media has with it is that if, if someone comes out and says, uh, you know, I'm going to reduce unemployment by 10%, yeah, of course it's of course it's bullshit, right? Most of the, or I should say, most of the time it's, it's bullshit, and that's really all it takes, right? It takes a most you, you need to be able to interpret that through the lens of most of the time it's bullshit, but mm. sometimes it might be. You know, there's a possibility they might actually be able to deliver. 
But when someone comes out and says, uh, uh, vote for me because I'm a wizard, it's, it's, that's not the case, right? You're not a wizard, and there's no way that you're, you're a wizard, and it's completely false. And the problem, the problem then for both, both politicians and the media is that if the audience finds themselves saying, you know what, that's just outright bullshit, rather than having that, that kernel of, well, maybe it's true in the background. If, they, if they're just saying, well, that's just outright bullshit then there's a risk that they're going to they're gonna start questioning everything that they hear. And I think that that's the, that's the problem they're going to have, and I think that, that's why they're going to go so hard now against, against Trump. We shall see. I mean, these are, these are some of them. I mentioned the one about him seeing a video where Muslims were cheering on 9-11, the fall of the Twin Towers. Another one is that ISIS is building a luxury hotel in Syria. Not true. That his campaign is self-funded not true, that there's 300,000 American veterans dying while waiting for medical care, not true. Brackets, veterans have a pretty shit time in the United States, and I've, I've spoken to some vets and I have been very unimpressed with what I've heard, but that, that number is just outrageous rubbish. Um, the article has, a, in fact, a, a link in it to someone else's list of 26 of these just outrageous <laughs> pieces of bullshit uh, that Trump keeps repeating. Trump manages to cut through, though, because so big a section of the American media is essentially an arm of the Republican Party. I'm thinking Fox News, but of course there's plenty of others as well, that just wallow in this shit, which a generation ago, there's no way that this this sort of thing would ever be countenanced on television. You'd be laughed off. But now they run with it because they can just go liberal bias at anyone who disagrees. Well, that, that's right. You know, ev- everything, every outrageous thing that he says has, has a consistent element to it, which is that th- to a certain portion of the population and to a certain portion of the media, they really want the thing that he's saying to be true, right? They desperately want it to be true that there were Muslims celebrating 9-11. They really want it to be true that... Um, you know, that, uh, that jet fuel can that melt, jet steel fuel beams. melt, stri- melt steel, steel beams and that um, Donald Trump is a self-made man. They, re- they want all that stuff to be I true. I got the jet fuel thing the wrong way around, didn't I? No, jet fuel, jet fuel does melt steel beams, yes. right? Yes. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Let's find out. Yeah. How much is jet fuel? And where can we find some well, steel it's beams? kerosene, basically, and any building site or... Yeah, we better move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, look, I, I think that because they, because they want it to be true, then that's that stuff's gonna it's gonna resonate with a certain portion of the of the audience. But if Trump was out out there saying, um, you know, America is not the greatest country on earth, and I can prove it because I'm a lizard, people would say, "Oh, look, he said he's a lizard. That's not right." Yeah, well, yeah Obama's the lizard. That's right. Leslie Nasser, we have covered our topics, I believe. Let me just check our list. Yes, we have indeed. I will have to ask, so Trump not president? No, no way. Leslie Nasser, it has been, despite that disappointment, a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. If you were a sponsor of Corrupted Nerds, your 30-second message would go here. Well, that's it for this impromptu special extra edition of Corrupted Nerds. Uh, The next episode will be happening before Christmas. That will be a 2015 wrap. I'm not sure of the exact date, but yes, it will be before Christmas. Until then, I'm Stilgerian. 
Have a good one. Corrupted Nerds is a Skank Media production. Sorry. I'll roll in the record now and get that. So if you want to give me a, a level and... Yeah, I'll give you a level. So where are we? We're at uh, the ABC Cafe. I know, it's very glamorous. It is. Well, I like these stripedy uh, seats. Stripedy seats? Stripedy seats. Well, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you have kids. Everything's right. stripedy, Everything yeah. becomes stripedy and, um, and uh, skeletons become skellingtons. Skellingtons. And when I was a kid, uh, I would always be excited if I saw an ambience. Ambience. That's always yeah. good. Ambience. Yeah, I really quite liked ambience. Yeah. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as a as the as the parent, it's my duty to correct her and say, "No, you're wrong. You're uh, wrong." Well, that, that's really how it has to be because parents are parents are correct and children are wrong, and and if they just don't get that message correctly, then they must be spanked. That's right. Yeah, or they must have Minecraft taken away from them. Well, that's in a, lieu of spanking. That's worse. That's that's, that's far the worse. Crime. <laughs>